Alexa here, and welcome back to Murder in the Mountains. Our co-host this week is Lisa. Hello. So this week, we are going to talk about the Atlanta child murders. Have you okay. seen Mindhunter? Um, I started it and just couldn't really get into it. Okay. It is a slow burn. Ryan yeah. kind of felt the same way. Well, season two, they covered this case. Okay. So... I was wondering if you'd seen it, because then you'd have some background information. But you said you have not heard of this case, correct? No, I do not know this one. Okay, very exciting. So, this week's case takes place in Atlanta, Georgia, in the late 70s and early 80s. Between the years of 1979 and 1981, 29 black children, adults, and teens went missing and were later found murdered. So, I'm going to tell the story kind of backwards like I've done with certain cases in the past. So we're going to start with the man who was or who is thought to be responsible for these murders. Wayne Williams was born on May 27th, 1958 in Atlanta, Georgia. Both of his parents were teachers and he was an only child. So he got a lot of attention and teaching at home and at school. All of his education paid off because he did very well in school and his teachers even called him a virtual genius. Okay. Upon graduating from Douglas High School, Williams enrolled in Georgia State University. After only a year, Wayne dropped out. And I'm not sure if it was, you know, just like some people, college wasn't for him or financial or Mm -hmm. whatever. But after he left the university, he started a series of business ventures, such as trying to start a radio station, freelance photography, and none of them really panned out. At the time of the murders, Williams was a talent scout searching for what some called the next Michael Jackson. He was known to have passed out his business card to people in the neighborhood looking for people aged 11 to 21 to audition for a singing group he was trying to put together. 11? Yes. Well, I mean, you know, Michael Jackson started when he was really young, so. Yeah, but he was like with his siblings. Well, yeah, he's trying to start a singing group. Oh, He's trying gotcha. to, like, when make said, the next Jackson 5, I guess. Gotcha, gotcha. You said singing group, and I thought of, like, a play or something. Like but a I musical? Got, like a musical, <laughs> which I guess could also have small children in it. That's fine. Just keep going. All right. So... <laughs> So now we're going to spend some time talking about each of the victims, and there were 29 of them, so it will feel redundant and very long, but I feel like each of them deserves to get their names out and everything. Okay. Okay. On July 21st, 1979, 14-year-old Edward Smith went missing. Three days later, on July 25th, 13-year-old Alfred Evans also went missing. The bodies of both boys were found on July 28, 1979, only 150 feet away from each other. It was determined that Edward died of a gunshot wound to the upper back, but Alfred died of strangulation. So I feel like right there is, the you know, interesting. Like, it Mm -hmm. seems like it'd be obvious that the two were connected based on the fact that both victims were the same race and around the same age, and their bodies were found right next to each other. Yeah. But it's strange that they died in different ways. So, like, a gunshot and strangulation, because as we know, murderers typically find one way to kill and stick to it, unless they have to, like, adapt to the situation or something like BTK. Yeah, like, what's your MO? Exactly. So, a few months later, on September 4th, 14-year-old Milton Harvey left on his yellow bike to run an errand for his mother. His bike was found a week later, but unfortunately, his body was not found until November 16th. And because of decomposition, the cause of death could not be determined. Yeah, that's a long time. 
So just a week before Milton's body was discovered, the body of nine-year-old Yusuf Bell was found on November 8th in the crawl space of an abandoned elementary school. His cause of death was strangulation, and he was last seen getting into a blue car on October 21st while he was out running errands for his neighbor. An abandoned elementary school sounds creepy. It does sound creepy. Like in the crawl space. It's amazing he was found. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like who was in there just like, oh, I bet he's in here. They said it was like a janitor looking for a place to urinate. Don't ask. Okay. <laughs> like, I'm going to go into the crawl space to do that. I don't yeah. I don't understand it. None of it I makes sense. Is in not bathrooms. And why is a janitor even at an abandoned elementary school? Yeah, it sounds fishy to me. So many questions. So, as you can see, the body count of black children was just piling up, but the police still weren't convinced that it was all one killer. Okay. Why? Nobody knows. Like, if you're saying that it's not one killer, are you just saying that it's, like, normal? Like, kids just get murdered all the time? Yeah, I mean, maybe they were saying that because they all weren't done in the same manner and all in the same place, other than they're all in Atlanta, but... They were all strangled. They were all shot. Right. So, like you're saying, like, what's your MO? Like, why are you all over the place? Yeah. So, like, maybe they're connected, but maybe it's not, like, one person. And they were geographically close together. But I do agree that if the MOs don't match up, it's kind of hard to say for sure. Yeah. Well, and we're talking about Atlanta not that long ago. (laughs) Yeah. Apparently, it was, like, named, like, the most dangerous city in America around this time. I mean, I believe it. And now, in my opinion. (laughs) I don't go past my office very often. Yeah. I'm like, do we have to go to Atlanta? Like, I will do everything in my power to not have to go down there. Yeah, same. So, on March 4th, 1980, 12-year-old Angel Lanier became the first female victim of the Atlanta child murderer. She left her house at 4 p.m. to walk to a friend's house to watch TV. We know she made it to her friend's house, but she did not make it home. You said this is the first victim? The first female victim. Female. Okay. Her body was found six days later in a vacant lot. uh, White girls underwear. I feel like I could. (laughs) Not white girls, but white (laughs) underwear that was would belong to a girl. Yeah. Uh, But not hers. Were found stuffed in her mouth. Her hands were bound with electrical cord. And like most of the others, her cause of death was strangulation. Only a week after Angel went missing, 11-year-old Jeffrey Mathis went missing while once again running an errand for his mother. Witnesses say they saw him get into a blue car with a light-skinned man and a dark-skinned man. It took 11 months for his body to be found, so they were unable to determine cause of death. So even though they couldn't say it was strangulation like the majority of the others, he was also seen getting into a blue car just like Yusuf, and he was the same age and race as the other victims. On May 18th, 15-year-old Eric Middlebrooks disappeared while riding his bike. His body was found the next day with stab wounds to his chest and arms, but blunt force trauma was determined to be his cause of death. See, he's changing it up. Why? Why is he changing it up? I don't know. Adapt Adaptation, maybe? But it's like, do you sometimes bring a gun, and sometimes you bring a knife, and sometimes you don't bring anything? Like... Yeah. Or it could be like the case we did a while back with the um, the Israel Keys that had the murder kits. Yes. 
Yeah. So maybe, I mean, not that this guy has like murder kits, but I'm saying like he, maybe he just carries all this stuff with him with the intent to kill people. So on June 9th, 1980, uh, 12 year old Christopher Richardson became the next victim when he was walking on his way to a community pool. His body was not found until January of 1981. So once again, there was no way to determine his cause of death. Later that same month, on June 22nd, seven-year-old Latanya Wilson went missing from her parents' apartment. What was different about this case is that witnesses claimed that they saw two men at the apartment that night, one climbing into her window and then holding her in the parking lot while speaking to the other man. So how did you not immediately call 911? If you did, why did it take police so long to get there? They were just standing in the parking lot chit-chatting. And how did they not immediately start a kidnapping investigation? Yeah. So this is, you said this is in June. So this is almost an entire year since the first victim. Yeah. And they still, the law enforcement still doesn't think that it's, they're connected. They're starting to connect the dots and have even started to like bring the FBI in at this point. Okay. Yep. So unfortunately... Similar to some of the other victims, her body was not discovered for months until October 18th, so her cause of death could also not be determined. Oh. But only one day after Latanya's abduction, 10-year-old Aaron Weich disappeared. Witnesses said they saw him being uh, lured away from a grocery store by a 6-foot-tall, 180-pound black male that was around 30 years old. Aaron and the man then got into a blue Chevy with possibly another black male, but they could not confirm. Okay, so blue vehicle, two men, and murders happening, I mean, right at a month apart from one another over the course of one year. Pretty much. So only one day later, his body was found under a bridge. His official cause of death was asphyxiation from a broken neck as a result of a fall. So that makes me wonder if he was alive when he was thrown off the bridge. Yeah. But that is yet another cause of death. Yeah. So on July 7th, 1980, nine-year-old Anthony Carter went missing and his body was discovered only hours later behind a warehouse. His cause of death was multiple stab wounds. So is there, and you might be getting to this, so if you are, you can tell me to shut up, but like, is there a motive to this? Like, are these children getting, like, raped and then disposed of? Or, like, what is the point, I guess? They were not sexually assaulted in any way. So right okay. now it just looks like they're being murdered with no reason. A few weeks later, on July 30th, 10-year-old Earl Terrell went missing. His body wasn't found until January 1981, and he was found close to Christopher Richardson's body. Very similar to the first two victims who were found close together. And his cause of death was asphyxia. Clifford Jones, age 13, disappeared on August 20th. He was found dead from strangulation. His body was found on August 21st behind a dumpster in a shopping center. Darren Glass, age 10, was reported missing on September 14th. And unfortunately, his body has never been found. But, But they do attribute him as one of the victims. Charles Stevens, age 12, was reported missing on October 9th. His body was found the next day, and his cause of death was suffocation. 
Aaron Jackson, age nine, went missing on November 1st. His body was discovered the next day, strangled, laying face up on a riverbank. So now we're getting some more bridge river action. There's a pattern. There is a pattern developing. 16-year-old Patrick Rogers knew several of the previous victims, and he went missing on November 30th. His body was found on December 7th in the Chattahoochee River. Police believed he was dropped from the bridge above, and his cause of death was blunt force trauma to the head. Oh my gosh. The first known victim of 1981 was 14-year-old Luby Jeter, who disappeared on January 3rd, and his body was found on February 5th. He was... His cause of death was asphyxiation as well. So Luby's friend, 15-year-old Terry Pugh, went missing on January 22nd. So literally just a few weeks after his friend went missing. Mm -hmm. And his body was found in a predominantly white neighborhood 17 miles away from where he was last seen. And he also died of strangulation. Another connection is that Terry lived in the same apartment as Edward Smith, who was one of the first victims killed in 1979. So he had multiple connections to the victims. On February 19th, 13-year-old Curtis Walker went missing. His body was found on March 6th, 18 miles from where he was last seen. He died of asphyxiation. On March 13th, Timothy Hill went missing. Witnesses claimed that he was staying at the home of a known pedophile at the time. Not sure why, not sure how, or if he even knew this man was bad but his body was also found in the Chattahoochee River on March 30th. Was the pedophile, like, family? Or he was just a kid who was randomly staying with a pedophile? Yeah, it was not his family. Interesting. So that's what I'm saying. I don't know where his parents were. I don't know if people... I mean, I guess people knew he was a pedophile because he was a known pedophile. So I have no idea. On March 31st, just 24 hours after Timothy Hill's body was found, 21-year-old Eddie Duncan's body was found in the Chattahoochee River. Duncan was the first adult victim, and like many of the others, he died of strangulation. On March 30th, 20-year-old Larry Rogers went missing, and his body was found in an abandoned apartment on April 9th, and he died of strangulation. A few weeks later, on April 12th, the body of 28-year-old John Porter was found in a vacant lot, and he died of multiple stab wounds. I feel like I need to be taking, like, tallies, a tally of all the different types of deaths. Yeah, it's crazy. Or, like, how many died of stab wounds? How many died of strangulation, asphyxiation? I feel like strangulation and asphyxiation are uh, top contenders. They are the top contenders. So on April 19th, the body of 15-year-old Joseph Bell was found in the South River. Witnesses placed him in the home of the same pedophile that was seen with Timothy Hill. He also died of asphyxiation. On April 20th, 23-year-old Michael McIntosh's body was found on the bank of the Chattahoochee River. Police aren't sure when he went missing, but just like Joseph shortly before him, he died of asphyxiation. On April 27th, 21-year-old Jimmy Ray Payne's body was found in the Chattahoochee River. His cause of death was undetermined. On May 12th, 1981, FBI agents found the body of 17-year-old William Barrett on a curb in a wooded area near his home. 
A witness had run out of gas about a mile from the scene, and he described seeing a black man standing over and observing the location where the body was found before driving away in a Cadillac. So he may have spotted the person. Yeah. During the end of May in 1981, the last reported victim was added to the list. 27-year-old Nathaniel Cater was last seen um, at the entrance of the Rialto Theater in, uh, in Atlanta, and it was reported that he was holding hands with Wayne Williams. His body was discovered two days later. How old was that one? He was 27. And Wayne Williams at the time was 23. Okay. That's strange. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was so much older, or what's your thought? What are you thinking? I just, if if Wayne is the person who has done all of this stuff, it's um, it's odd to me, the age gap, like the age difference. Well, it's, it's only like, four years between him and Nathaniel, the 27-year-old. Wayne, yeah, I'm just picturing like, well, in this, obviously, in your 20s, it doesn't matter, but the 27-year-old just being, like, substantially bigger, and uh, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, he was <laughs> bigger than who, but yeah. I'm pretty I'm, sure you're both fully grown by the time you're in your 20s. I work with a guy who's, like, 6'5", and he's four years younger than me, so <laughs> I guess it doesn't matter. Exactly. So, because there was a pattern developing where victims were found in rivers, the FBI decided to set up a 30-day surveillance of multiple bridges to see if they could just catch anybody dumping a body. Super casual. So, at 2.50 a.m. on May 22, 1981, a police officer named James Jackson heard a splash when he was surveilling a bridge by the Chattahoochee River. Oh, good timing. He then radioed to other officers who saw headlights driving across the bridge. When they pulled the car over, Wayne Williams was identified as the driver. The police noticed he had gloves and nylon cord in the passenger seat of his car, which looked like the kind of cord used in some of the crimes, like per the pattern of the ligature marks or whatever. Yeah. Unfortunately, the cord was not taken into evidence, so we will never know for sure. What the hell? When the police asked him what he was doing, he said he was on his way to audition a woman named Cheryl Johnson as a singer. He said she lived in Smyrna, but police were unable to prove this woman existed. And it's 3 a.m. Super casual. So what are you doing? Yeah, and if she's in Smyrna, uh, I mean, I guess it depends on what area you're in, but that's not necessarily near the Chattahoochee River. Yeah, all of these happened... And we're speaking of this because we live in Georgia, so we're familiar with the area. But all of this happened, like, around Memorial Drive and, like, downtown, like, area. The area that we don't travel to. Correct. (laughs) Yeah, so Smyrna, which is what, where the Brave Stadium is now? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, not right down the road. Yeah, it's a good, it'll take you about 15 minutes to drive to downtown from there. Uh, But, yeah. Super sketch. So after the body of 27-year-old Nathaniel Cater was discovered floating in the water near where his car, like, was pulled over, police brought Williams in again. And dog hairs and fibers from the trunk of his car and home were collected and were found to be similar to some that were found on the victims. Huh. Like the victims in his trunk. Maybe. Yeah, like to dispose of them. Yeah. 
And police also gave Wayne a polygraph, which he failed. But as we know, that doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. So based on this evidence, Williams was arrested on June 21st, 1981, and was charged with the first-degree murders of Nathaniel Cater and Jimmy Ray Payne. So he was only charged with those two murders, not any of the others. So during the killings, FBI profiler John Douglas said the suspect would be a black man because a white man wouldn't be able to move in and out of predominantly black neighborhoods undetected. So according to this, Wayne Williams fit the bill. And John Douglas is the uh, guy who Mindhunters like modeled after. Oh, okay. Like the first BAU, you know, guy. Just a fun fact. So, the trial started on December 28th, 1981, and lasted six days. And like I said, despite the fibers being linked to 10 other victims, Alfred Evans, Eric Middlebrooks, Charles Stevens, Lou B. Jeter, Terry Pugh, Patrick Baltazar, Joseph Bell, Larry Rogers, John Porter, and William Barrett, Wayne Williams was only charged for the murders of the two older victims, Nathaniel and Jimmy. It only took the jury... 11 hours to return a verdict of guilty, and Wayne Williams was sentenced to two consecutive life sentences. Okay. So you're over here like, wow, this is pretty cut and dry. They know who did it, you know? I know better. (laughs) But for many, many, many people that they just assume that it was Wayne Williams. If you ask anybody who committed the Atlanta child murders, they're going to say Wayne Williams. But many of the families instead uh, suspect that a white man, possibly from the KKK, was actually behind the murders. There was a secret investigation into the Klan that took place back in the early 80s, but it was never presented during Wayne's murder trial. So the police investigated like a Klan's member and like heard, I think it was like, him talking about trying to incite a race war and you know like i don't know how i don't know what his plan was because if the police thought it was black a black man kidnapping and murdering black children that's the same race that's not a white that wouldn't start anything yeah so and they also heard them saying something about one of the victims and how they're going to go get another child And this and that. But this investigation was closed like only a month before Williams was arrested. I could kind of see that, though. Like, that makes sense as far as um, motive goes. Like, not not wanting anything to do with the people or or the bodies just disposing of them. That makes more sense to me than just a random black guy killing all these people and children. Like, adults and kids. Like, a white person doing it would make more sense... Than like a, a black white, guy doing it for seemingly no reason. Yeah, like a white Klansman, I feel like, has already, you know, no soul as it is. I could just, that makes more sense for a white man part of the KKK to um, just randomly kill a bunch of black people. Yeah, so basically the motive is just like hatred. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, they never really gave a motive, like, why did Wayne do it? And like we talked about in the Jacob Wetterling case, how every single thing was, like, similar 
but not a conclusive match and yeah. all this stuff over and over and over again. And so they couldn't get Danny Heinrich. Well, with this, the dog hairs and the fibers were similar. They were not a conclusive match. And they still use that to convict, like, to convict Wayne Williams. So is he still alive? He is still alive and he claims his innocence. Is he in the Atlanta pen? He initially was serving in a prison in Sparta and then was transferred to a prison in Valdosta. Oh. So some people think that maybe he like only killed those two men and not the children. But then but the police literally consider all the other cases closed. It's not even like, oh, wait, he wasn't even technically charged with them. Did they even ask a ask him about those cases i'm not sure how the interview went but he still denies yeah to this day killing anybody and that he was just a scapegoat and that the police were like perfect like he's a black guy just like the profile said he would be oh look dog hairs fibers and like the carpet fibers were like a green carpet and it was like that's what was found in his home so he had to have been brought, like, bringing these children to his house. Yeah, but for, like, what reason? It, exactly. That, that makes sense to me. And I almost feel I'm, like, erring more towards the side of he is innocent. Because why at this point would you keep claiming innocence? You're already, you're, you've been in prison this long, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I mean, over 40 years at this point. Yeah. I think that I would just, I would be going insane and like trying to keep it up at this point. And in 2019, the mayor of Atlanta like said that they're going to retest DNA and everything. Um, but nothing has really come of that. Like, I don't know if they're still waiting on DNA or maybe testing in the past has used up all the DNA. So those, you know, because a lot of people do think that Wayne Williams is innocent. And the children technically never got the justice that they deserve. Their cases were not, you know, in court. He was not charged with their murders. Yeah. The police just like slapped, you know, Wayne's name on all of them. It was like, perfect, done, closed, moving on. So I'm assuming that after he was locked up, the murders, the frequent murders like that stopped. Correct. So that's another thing that they're like, no, we obviously have the right guy because look, the murder stopped. But then that would, that's a, that's a perfect, oh, I don't know what the word I'm trying to say is. If it was uh, a white guy who may have been a member of the clan, he got what he wanted. He, you know, got rid of almost 30 black people, got away with it and put another black guy behind bars. Yeah, like he's like, oh, this worked out better than expected. It yeah, it wasn't then, a race war, but look, I got all these you know black people off the streets or whatever racist yeah, plans people think. Done here, my my job here is done. And like 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 we were talking about, if there was no motive except hate, I feel like you could easily stop yourself. Yeah, you're not doing it for sexual reasons. You're not doing it because you're a sadist and you enjoy torturing people. You're literally just doing it to get rid of these people. Yeah. So if he, you know, if it was a Klansman, you know, having somebody else take responsibility for you is, yeah, like we said, the perfect, like, well, I'll just stop now. Yeah. And with how fast 
um, some of them happen, and I assume that they all happen that fast. They just weren't found as quickly as some of them, but, you know, some of the victims going missing one night and being found the next day, I feel like, I mean, that's really fast. That's literally just, like, picking people off one by one. Exactly. And it's just crazy that some were in abandoned buildings, some were thrown off bridges, some were found in a vacant lot, some were found in the middle of a field, and then they were killed in all the different ways. So it's also like, what if it wasn't just one Klansman? Uh, Yeah, it doesn't. To me, I think from the beginning, once you were going over everything, it didn't sound like it was just one person. Um, It sounded like multiple people. And I mean, back in that time, the KKK was still very active especially in Atlanta, maybe not, you know, where we're at, but especially in Atlanta and like South Georgia. Which is crazy because it's like the 80s. Like you think of the Klan in like the 60s, 30s, you know, whatever, like civil rights era and pre-civil rights era. And I mean, this is like literally the 80s, not even that long ago. And it was just a thing. Oh, yeah. So... Yeah, it may not have been one person. And even some witnesses saw multiple people, but they saw like multiple black people. But then you have to think, was that racially charged? Were these black people accusing other black people? Or was it a white person? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, there's just a lot of, a lot of moving parts, you know? And that pedophile was questioned. The one who was associated with two victims, he was questioned, but he was never charged. Okay. But how convenient is it that he's tied to two children he went missing and murdered? But did those two children know one another? Like, were they friends, family? I don't think so. They were not related. But some of the victims did know each other, but their only connection was the pedophile. Yeah. I don't know. If he's a pedophile, he's not just just disposing of these bodies. He's going to do something. That is a good point also. Yep. I I didn't even think about that detail. Yeah, that and they're not all children. I mean, they're half of them or yeah, a little less than half of them are adults. Right. And just another fun fact. So Atlanta is building a memorial called the Eternal Flame Project. And it's going to be at City Hall. And Ryan's company is actually working on that. So that's like his project that he's working on. So it has like all the kids names like in stone and it has like this flame that'll always be lit kind of thing and it'll be i'm not sure when it's supposed to be completed but ryan was like do you know this case i was like yes of course i know this case (laughs) duh (laughs) well like maybe i'll cover it so here we are cool yeah all right do you have anything else to add i don't think so i just i feel like this case is even though it's been solved i still feel like it isn't solved And that's frustrating. And that is how a lot of people feel. Yeah. You know, it's just, and if he is innocent, it would just suck to have your name penned on 30 murders, you know? So it's really hard nowadays, especially if all the evidence has been used in other testing, like what else are you going to find? Yeah. Well, if everybody could leave a review on Apple podcast and Spotify and follow us on Instagram at murder in the mountains And we won't have a Motive in the Mountains this week. Um, So come back next week for another episode of Murder in the Mountains. See ya. Bye.